0: on everybody and welcome to episode number seven of the RIP podcast. As usual, we very much hope that you've had a good week uh, and we've got a bit of a different show for you this week. Um, now, seeing as there's not a great deal of new records this week, we thought we would change the format and sort of bring to you just some albums that we thought we would want to talk about you know we thought we would all each you know three of us would just bring a record uh that we felt like we uh we wanted to have a little discussion around um and uh when i say three of us i do sincerely mean barnaby and christophe uh how has your week been Christoph? never fucking better mate <laughs> Woo! hell yeah yeah <laughs> The man's a Ric Flair. Woo! And, woo! Uh, what about you, Barnaby?
1: I think I'm largely in the same boat as Christoph. I'm in a very mundane week of just work, eat, sleep, work, eat, sleep, the usual stuff. Jesus coming... Christ,
0: what a way to bring the tone down. I was hoping when I asked you, you were just going to go woo! like Ric Flair. But no, no chance. But I'm
1: surviving, so... And
0: woo! That's all. Woo! And yeah, let's,
1: let's, let's all go woo! To no, white it's, not bad, it's not been uh, that bad. Just yep. same as usual. How's your week Christos, been,
0: Stephen? Um, that's good, mate. I'm glad to hear. Um, Christos brandishing a, uh, a beer right now, is? which is a, a white Russian IPA. Is it an IPA or is it an
2: ale? Or, a coffee cream ale. So, yeah, it's not an alien pale.
0: Oh, uh, right. Well, I mean, it, it looks delicious regardless, uh, you know me and barnaby are sucking on pepsi right now so you know uh, I well I, I do have a splash of, of whiskey whiskey but you know oh sadly Jesus. Yeah. No, no booze for me i had the oh so wait so wait, wait. Last we just got a live reaction how was it
2: oh dude it's so fucking good <laughs> i should have like opened this beforehand did you but... chill it or was it was this just yeah like... no yeah it's been sat in my fridge oh, oh, God, okay. that's fucking incredible it's like coffee and ice cream goodness in a fucking can (sighs) so jealous i'm so jealous um
0: anyway on with the show so as i said before folks uh it's a bit of a different format this week um we've decided just to each bring a record to the podcast this week uh just on a basis that there's not a great deal of releases but rest assured normal service will be resumed next week uh but for now um do we have any news this week barnaby
1: i have got three stories and i'm going to start with this one i'm going to whiz through this one because this is one we've all heard before and it's getting a little bit repetitive but needless to say it is very significant in the milk community right and that is unfortunately that this year's rendition of Hellfest in france has been cancelled unfortunately well should i say cancelled postponed to next year so the festival's a uh, uh, festival organizer has said he tried to um, make it happen within the guidelines of how things have been going with the vaccine rollout over there and all that usual jazz. But he says to put it on in the way which we all know and love is just not going to be d- justifiable or safe. So he's made the decision to um, postpone it till next year, which I know is going to be a very bunch of disappointing news for um, people who are going, but also for the metal community in general. But rest assured... The chances of it happening in 2022 are much brighter so we can only look to then i'm afraid
0: yeah i mean i think that it's guaranteed that you know it, it was always going to be up in the air this year but i think it's kind of guaranteed that festivals will will be next year it's got exactly be. It's, yeah it's got to be, it's gotta be. Uh, if we're not yeah. in a better
1: place by then i'd be very very surprised and also very concerned yeah have
0: either of you two been i mean i don't know if you've even been to a Hellfest before but no i have
1: i have not but i've heard really great things about it
0: may it's the disneyland of of metal festivals it basically is the disneyland of metal festivals I, i went to 2018 and uh it's forever been a festival that's like no no festivals matched it so of... you're
1: saying it's like Disneyland, do you get like fucking Mickey Mouse in like a fucking ba- ba- battle vest with Slayer on the back and he's got like a fucking beer stains down the the down the front of his like really u- used Pantera t-shirt?
0: Yeah, I mean, if Mickey Mouse <laughs> was covered in barbed wire and wanted to smash Jägermeister down his your throat with fucking sounds like my kind of Mickey Mouse. going off all around him, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's so in detail because the organizer of Hellfest, they own the land that the festival happens on. Yes. So they can they can essentially just like do whatever the fuck they want, however long they want to. There's no curfew. You know, they can just do what they want. That's the, that's the cool thing, because like, mm. although you, you'll watch bands like <clears throat> the thing was like, I don't know, a, a download festival, for example. They normally have the 11 o'clock curfew, like a lot of festivals. But obviously Hellfest, you know, you're watching bands throughout the day until it gets to 11 o'clock. And then when obviously you get to the band that play until 11 o'clock you think okay well that's it next thing you know they then have another band that come on and play till like two o'clock three o'clock in the morning you know it's like i remember we uh me and emma we went to hellfest and we were watching judas priest until about 11 o'clock in the evening and then we were just waiting for a perfect circle to come on because uh, they were basically the band that played after the alleged headliner but technically it was a perfect circle that we're headlining and it was just such a it was my first festival in europe um and i i mate we've all got to get to Fe- hellfest because it's yeah. like not not only does hellfest have like a ridiculous lineup year to year it's just as i say it's like the disneyland of fucking festivals yeah
1: absolutely and rest assured we'll be making that happen when things do eventually get back to normal so it's got mm. We'll hold tight till then. And for anybody who's been disappointed by the news, hold tight. It will happen next year.
0: It will happen, folks. Be patient. Be patient. Live music will return. Uh, what else has been going on? I want to get a little
1: bit of a discussion going. Uh, what are your thoughts on bands doing encores at
0: shows? <laughs> All right, you go first, then, Crystal?
2: Yeah, I dig this. Is this to do with the fact that Corn is it Corn who recently said they don't like doing encores?
1: I don't. I wasn't the only one that read it. That is absolutely correct. Yeah,
2: like I mean, I feel like they're this weird. They're a weird thing nowadays, aren't they? Like you're obligated to do it, and I don't know. It's nice. It's a nice build-up for the crowd, but at the same time. I think, in this day and age where it's expected and the band know they're going to come back, you may as well just fucking throw out the set that you're going to throw out, you know? Yeah. But.
0: Um. Yeah, It. I think it... I mean, it all depends on how much you appreciate showmanship, I think.
2: Mm. Because, yeah, exactly. like,
0: for me, it depends on the band. I mean, I don't know. For, for example, if you're going to go watch a fucking band like Fit for an Autopsy... You're not going to want it, you're not going to go there and expect to see them play an encore because they're not that kind of band. Any kind of cannibal corpse, you know, they're not going to do a fucking encore. They're just not that kind of band. But if you're going to go see like quite a charismatic, very kind of showmanship based band, like a Rammstein or like a a Ghost, then like it's all a part of the show. It's all a part of the mystique and it's all a part of the way that I want to build the excitement during a live show. Uh I mean for me, I mean I love like watching a band and then you've basically got like a five to ten minute window of just being as loud and as obnoxious as you can before they come on and you know do the inevitable inevitable uh encore. Yeah. Um I like encores. I don't know why they get such a uh why they get such a bad rep because I just think it's uh it's just a way of just not only having a bit of a break but also just like having just like um, a much more kind of uh, just a much more exciting experience like it just it really kind of boosts the excitement and it boosts the energy of like the crowd and the people that are stood around you exactly
1: obviously everyone
0: everyone's there for the same reason Um, and you know it just makes it all the more exciting when you're all there stood in front of a fucking stage and like, everyone's excited to watch the band come on. I mean, encores what, I mean, encores tend to be like the band's biggest songs.
1: Yeah. It's uh, like guns and roses doing paradise city, you know? Yeah.
0: I mean, like fucking Alice Cooper doing schools out, you know, basically whatever the band are going to come on with and do the encore as it's going to be a fucking huge, huge song. Exactly. Uh, they're going to finish strong. So I think that the excitement of that, um, in the live environment, I don't see a problem with it.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that. And it just adds to that suspense, like knowing that your band's going to come back on and absolutely just blast you in the face with their most well, best well-known songs for like 10, 15 minutes. It's just, it's a feeling I can't really explain.
0: Don't get me wrong. I mean, an encore can sincerely backfire, right? Now, just to take it outside of metal once, I will never forget years and years and years ago, right? Have either of you two ever heard of a band called The Zootons? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Name rings a bell. I think I've heard the, the name, but I've Fucking I haven't Zootons,
0: right? They do like that fucking um they do a didn't cover they? of that Amy Winehouse song. Um
2: didn't they no, didn't they do it originally? Valerie. Is, was was it them that did it originally? I'm sure they did it originally. They were those fuckers who all dressed up in like white robes all the time, weren't they? They looked like a fucking weird Christian cult.
0: Yeah, like they were like this this kind sort of this band from Liverpool, a bunch of Scousers that had like this, they obviously had a massive indie following and like, they're like an indie band basically. But they had like, uh, yeah, like Christoph said, I think, I think it must've been the first album where they had like the white robes, but like they had um, a record out. What was it called? It was something like attack of the Zootons or like the invasion of the Zootons or something. But um, anyway, they came to Swindon and they played the Oasis leisure center in like the fucking sports hall and i'll yeah. never forget uh going there and uh the band obviously did the show blah 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 you know and they went and did an encore like well they they obviously all went off stage and the lights went black like the whole room went uh black and like i've never been stood in a room full of people that didn't want a band to come on <laughs> 'Cause like just <laughs> normally like you expect like, you know, the roar of the crowd, like the you know, the stomping on the fucking ground, like everyone clapping. But there was none of that. It was literally just like fucking Is it over? Can we go home now? I'm, yeah, hungry. It's like, fucking I'm, I'm on. hungry. That's all I can hear and like fucking it was left as if like <laughs> the band, like when they came on, they didn't even acknowledge anybody. They just came on, played the songs as quickly as they could and then fucked off. Uh, that was like the most like I've never I don't know if you've either of you two have experienced like an encore that's never gone right, but that I'll was t- one that always stood out for
2: me. I'll tell you <laughs> what, my I think my favorite experience was at Boomtown the last year I went to Boomtown. So they had Damien Marley playing, who did Welcome to yeah. Jamrock, right? So <clears throat> didn't really want to see Damien Marley because I figured it was going to be a shit show. But the I can't remember who the other headliners were, but I had no interest in them, so I was like, "Fuck it, man, go see Damien Marley." Right? Yeah. So like, and his, I mean, his fucking stage was the furthest point from my campsite. So it's a good mile, one point two miles from my campsite to Damien Marley, mm-hmm. up a giant hill as well. Halfway through, that's oh. just a muddy shit show. Jesus. So you get there, you're waiting for him to start. He starts. 20 minutes late, and then my favorite song of his is called Ganja Bus. So he started, so he plays he plays the intro to Ganja Bus, right, sings the first sentence, and then goes on to the next song. And I'm like, What what yeah, like what the fuck are you doing here? Right. About 20 minutes after this, he plays one of the songs. I can't remember what it was, but he plays this song, everything fades to black. Now he's on for an hour. All right, that's that's his his allotted slot time is one hour.
0: Right.
2: At this point, he has turned up 20 minutes late, played 20 minutes of songs, which some of them he didn't even do the whole song, fucks off, walks off, lights go down, and everyone's like, again, like, you know, you you most bands, especially the headliner. You're going to be shouting by the end of the night for an encore. You understand the bands beforehand because it's all time allocated. They they're not going to get an encore, but this motherfucker clearly should. But everyone's kind of like stood there scratching their heads, like what the fuck's going on? Uh He's he's done like a third of his set and now he's gone. No one's shouting for an encore because they're not sure what the fuck is happening. He comes back outside, back out like two or three minutes later, demands an encore even though he hasn't even finished his set time. Demands, <laughs> demands an encore. And we're like, dude, you're still on your scripted time. Like, fucking do what you want. Demands, <laughs> no, I can't the, demand, that, demands the crowd get hyped for an encore. <laughs> Starts playing. Have you heard Welcome to Jamrock, his biggest song?
1: Yeah, I've heard yeah. it ages
2: ago. Plays, raps the first verse, finishes the chorus. Then he's like, I'm done. and And like everyone in the crowd like there's no cheering or anything because everyone's like so you wanted to do your encore and you didn't even do half the song like what the fuck dude you did like 22 minutes of an hour set and demanded an encore It's just fucking ridiculous and then the people come back out they're like can we make some noise for damien martley and everyone's like no. No. Like, Jesus
0: <laughs> Christ! The, is this? the fact that you've oh, got miss- to like Jesus. get your audience excited for an encore and they can't just do it themselves. But <laughs> the
2: thing is, it's like yeah. imagine going and seeing Slipknot and like they haven't they haven't played any bangers. They like they played the intro riff to Psychosocial <laughs> and then went off onto something else and then yeah. just wander off and you're like, you played three songs and now you're demanding an encore, but like. Your set doesn't finish till eleven, and it's now half past ten. So what the fuck is this? Yeah,
1: exactly. You got to fill out the remaining time. Yeah, mate.
2: like we're not even on encore time. Jesus on Well, encores, I think when they work, they work.
0: Amazingly, and when they don't work, they obviously the bands fall flat on their face. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, clearly
1: I can't, I can't relate because I haven't had any horror experiences with encores at all. I maybe mean, maybe that just means I didn't go to enough shows before shit went south. Yeah. But that's some amazing experiences with encores, so I'll yeah think I fall very much into the same camp as both of you.
0: The only other one that sticks out for me, other than the Zutons, was I remember me and my brother. This is going back at least like fucking has to be like nearly 12 years ago we went to go and watch bob dylan believe it or not at the fucking um the motor point arena in cardiff and uh i I was quite i mean i'm quite a i wouldn't say i'm a massive bob dylan fan but i appreciate the legacy of bob dylan and i appreciate how important he is uh from a from a kind of a a music point of view and in the sort of his views at the time and how how much controversy he would have brought along with to the sort of country country genre. Uh, you know, I mean, a lot of people gave him shit because he decided to bring kind of an electric guitar sound into his acoustic at the time, acoustic traditional country style of music. Yeah. But I mean, uh, you know, I was at the time I must've only been like about, Oh fuck. I've probably been like 15, 14 to 15. And my brother, He's a bit older than me. He was like, no, no, you got you got to go see him just to say that you've seen Bob Dylan before. And I was like, okay, let's go. And I went there fully anticipating that he was going to be doing like, you know, Tambourine Man and like a Rolling Stone and all these fucking classic, classic Bob Dylan songs. And when we got there, like packed out fucking arena, the cunt came on the stage, right? Didn't look at anybody, didn't say anything. He just literally stood at the back. Not even like in the centre of the stage, like to the left, the back left of the stage, didn't say anything, stood behind his fucking keyboard. And he had like obviously a touring band with him and he played, I would say, at least an hour and a half worth of songs that nobody had ever heard of. Like, like no one had ever heard of the material he was playing. Like this was this like obscure fucking B-side songs like like everyone was looking around at each other i'll never forget looking around at a dude who was just like he he basically did that whole kind of fucking held his hands up in the air and shook his head like i don't know either i don't know yeah i don't
1: know what's going on i I don't know what
0: he's doing and um i'll never forget me and my brother walked out of that and we were just looking at each other like 45 pounds we've basically just been mugs of 45 pounds for seeing an icon not playing any material that he's known for or being, like, why ways in that. He held as highly as he is. Uh, and, like, oh fuck, I think the encore, again, it was, like, a very lacklustre environment. Like, he's, he's at least at this point played, like, you know, 50 minutes worth of material that no one's ever heard of. He's not played any recognisable songs. And, like, the encore, at the very least, everyone was sort of hoping that he would come out with an encore of songs that would come on come out and play like a song everyone knows to finish with if you've started off shit at least finish strong yeah, and he came exactly. out and he played he, he did play like a rolling stone but he played an alternative version of it which sounded nothing like the original one and like we everyone was just like ah oh, fuck this people started heading to the exits before he'd even finished man like that was oh,
2: fuck. yeah
0: that was a gig gone bad
2: get <laughs> like, it kind of as an artist like you know, especially someone well established like him, like that you're not gonna wanna just play the same fucking six or seven songs, you wanna play some of the songs that you like, and you go, do you know what, people don't know this song, people overlook it, and it's fucking banging in
0: my opinion, yeah, yeah, you
2: wanna do that, but there's a there's a line where it goes from I wanna show you guys songs that you probably haven't heard before that aren't my main four or five bangers to yeah what a self-indulgent shit show yeah, yeah but i think like... this is why i love things like the an evening with machine head mm-hmm. because let's face it bands like that that you love that much like there's nothing worse if you go oh well i've seen them four or five times to get to see him play this one song that i really wanted to hear when they play mm-hmm. a three-hour set like there's a night unless it's a very obscure tune yeah 90% guarantee that you're going to hear the bangers that you want to hear.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, it's one, like when the first time I saw them, they played Crashing Around You, and that's one... I mean, annoyingly, they haven't played that live yeah. since. Like, what the hell, Machine? had bring that back into the set.
2: Blood, sweat, and tears.
1: And that one as well, from this day. Like, you're absolutely right. That's one very good example of, like, doing those shows in a really good way.
0: Yeah. There's only... There's one artist that sticks out for me. I mean, again, it's not necessarily within the metal genres, but jack white i'm a huge fan of jack white like i love love i love the white yeah i love the white stripes i love the raconteurs anything that man Mm -hmm. does dead weather yeah it's fucking incredible right and like whenever jack white does these like solo shows he'll randomly just chuck in a medley of like white stripes songs or fucking raconteurs songs in the space of like like five minutes he'll just chuck in like five songs from this area of like his back catalogue fucking five songs from like the raconteurs he'll do like this very kind of unique medley of songs in the space of like 10 minutes and then he'll obviously revert back to his uh his own stuff and it's just genius when people do that like obviously someone like jack white who's clearly known for stuff like the white stripes and raconteurs and and you know, to a certain degree, his own solo material. But let's be honest, like his fan base are there because they know him from a lot of his other high profile projects. And like when a bloke like that, I feel that he's very much like, well, OK, they're clearly here to see me because I'm known for this. Uh And when he's obviously he's self-aware of that, because when he's playing some of his solo stuff or whatever, and he chucks in those medleys, He's just like he's he's kind of pleasing that area of the fan base where they you know, everyone goes crazy when he starts mm. breaking up ball and biscuit or like fucking, you name it. You know, he's just there's no kind of limits to what he's willing to drop into his set because he knows why people are there in the first place. Exactly. Uh, that's what I love about fucking Jack White. I think he's just a genius. He's fucking mm. brilliant. Cool. All right. Well, uh, anything else, in my news before we move on to the records this week, Barnaby?
1: I'm going to move over to one very brief story. Um, Before I ask, is anyone here a fan of the Deathcore band Attila?
2: No. He liked one of my posts on Instagram once for no fucking reason. That's about as much enjoyment (laughs) as I've got. That's that's all the
1: credit I can give to Chris Fromzak and co. Uh, Basically, Attila have landed themselves in a bit of hot water, I mean, I should say again, because they seem to land themselves in trouble every two fucking seconds. They love it. Uh, Apparently, uh, members of the band, uh, including Chris Fronzak himself, have been sued by security guards after over a 2018 Las Vegas show which went wrong, in which allegedly Chris Fronzak saw security guards getting rough with fans moshing and he didn't like that and then he decided oh i'm gonna go beat up these fucking security guards and then there's alleged like (laughs) security guards are claiming like they got injured and stuff like that and they're basically taking chris Fronzak and several other members of attila to court basically yeah that's
2: what happens when you end up in a monster-fueled rage really isn't it (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) yeah i wanted to cover that
1: story briefly just to highlight well i mean i don't know Who's that wrong, really? I wasn't at the show, obviously, but Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Chris Fronzak's in the wrong, considering how many times he's been on the wrong side of the tracks.
0: Wow. You know, he's just this obnoxious figurehead. I mean, I'm sure like as a businessman, he's probably quite switched on, but I mean, presumably there's video evidence to all of this as well. I mean, is there any kind of footage of him, this alleged attack on a security guy, or is this. Yeah, uh... there was
1: fan footage on uh, Instagram, which is actually included in the article that I used as a source, which was on Metal Socks, obviously. And there seems to be a uh, fan video of the alleged um, altercation happening. Mm-hmm. Apparently, a mic stand was also chucked at the security guards. Now I know that shit, that it's in the right place, you could easily get a fucking chip to out on them. A tooth chipped out on a, a
0: tooth chipped. Okay,
1: a chipped. Tooth well, uh, <laughs>
0: I mean, it's it's not surprising, really. I mean, you know, he's an, an obnoxious individual. It's, you it,
1: it's know, he's basically. Craves
0: attention and craves controversy. So, the, no surprises, the, Barnaby he's the
1: He's the is um, the he's the Ivan Moody of the uh, deathcore world. <laughs>
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, I, even Ivan Moody's got some level of like self-respect, and he's got that's like, true. Yeah,
1: I never thought i I never thought I'd hear today saying that Ivan Moody at least has some self-awareness. Maybe mm. it can filter its way into Five Finger Death Punch's uh, discography.
0: I know, right okay well uh, that about does it for news okay so moving on to the albums that we're going to be talking about this week uh so as I said before this is again uh, a bit of a slightly different format this week so we're not going to be talking about new releases but each decided to bring a record to the podcast this week we all wanted to wanted to discuss um so I think that we're gonna start off with Barnaby's pick. This week, which is by none other than Scottish metalcore heavyweights Bleed From Within with their uh, 2020 record, Fracture. What made you pick Bleed From Within, Barnaby?
1: I feel like this was one that I really shouldn't have missed, considering how much I am a little bit of a snob and a simp for the metalcore genre as a whole. And I remember hearing um, Bleed, for uh, The End of All We Know, just pop up on a random playlist. Um, this is earlier in the year. And I was thinking, holy fuck, this was from last year. How did I not see this? And I went and listened to the entire album, blitzed through, and I was like, "Oh shit, these guys are really fucking solid.
0: So was this your first introduction to this band?
1: Basically, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I really hadn't come across them before. I'd heard the name float around Mel Hammer, and they were getting really high praise from, like, Mel Hammer, Kerrang, and I think even Rob Flynn, recommended them on one of his podcasts if i remember yeah, he,
2: he had them in on one of his podcasts which is how, how I found, yeah. yeah which is how i found out about
1: uh, in terms of listening to them properly no this is my first um first experience with them i gotta say i feel like i'm a well, a bit late to the party but better late than never i guess
0: yeah because i mean this this has been a band that i've been aware of for a number of years now like fuck. i remember seeing this band on their uh <clears throat> it was a debut called uprising And I remember at the time just thinking that this is like a very, very like lamb of God-esque British or Scottish metal band. And I was really, really impressed with them. I mean, I I remember seeing them at download pissed a few times and I just thought that fucking they're great. You know, they, they they give you every, they give you that kick up the ass that metal core demands. (laughs) And uh, you know, I've, I, I listened to a few tracks off uprising and I, again they were good they were very good i believe i saw them actually on uh defenders of the faith which was a metal hammer tour which actually had bleed from within opening and then you had carcass and then a monomath headlining Ooh. which was such a mixed bag like you've got this like kind of metal core band and then you've got like two straight through and through death metal bands um obviously one talks about vikings more than the other but um yeah i thought there was such a weird mix uh, but it was good i mean i i thoroughly enjoyed them which um led me on to their album before this uh era which is a fucking incredible album it's got such massive songs huge books absolutely (laughs) that's a record that i fucking listened to top to bottom endlessly um a few years ago but um yeah, I was glad that you brought their latest album, Fracture, to the podcast, Barnaby, because it's, again, it's another album of theirs, which is just top to bottom, full of fucking incredible riffs, incredible hooks, incredible songs. I mean, were there any uh, songs in particular that stood out for you?
1: I can the think record? of too straight well actually i mean the whole album in itself is a fucking banger but yeah the tracks which stood out the most for me were the, the opening track the end of all we, the end of all we know because it's just a yep. sledgehammer to the face straight from the get-go uh-huh. and the other one is track six which is night crossing holy shit that is such a fucking amazing song
0: <laughs> in what way? I mean, what uh, what was it? What was it about the song that appealed to you?
1: I think it's the intro where they've got the uh, little guitar melody coming in. It's just the drums and it's got this like really fist pumping kind of vibe. And yep. the cherry on the cake for me was that they had um, Matt Heafy of one known little band called Trivium into do a guest guitar solo, which just elevated the song to a whole new level.
0: Trivium, never heard of them. Yeah, uh, I think
1: they had an album called What the Dead Men Say.
0: Mm, don't know what
1: happens after yeah. that.
0: What about you, Christoph? The right? crusade. Uh, <laughs> crusade, yeah, that little album called the Crusade. Um, I mean, so you said that you found out about this band through Rob Flynn's podcast, Christoph. So, uh, mm. was this the first album that you listened to by them,
2: or did you listen to? This is the first album I've properly gone in on. Uh, okay, so after Rob Flynn's podcast, I sort of went in, and you know, just from the top five kind of thing, just went random listen to a load of their stuff yeah um, so yeah this is the first time i've sat down and properly listened to an album front to back and it's fucking banging yeah just like it's... you know from the get-go it's just fucking hard bone crushing and i think yeah like barney said i think my favorite songs are night crossing and fracture like yep. just no fucking around it's yeah so exactly banging. that's
1: what i loved about them the most and the mm. best thing is they're scottish as well like they're from one yeah. of the coolest countries on on the planet
0: yeah it's, the, it's always the fun thing about watching a band like Bleed From Within live is that they're, they're fucking crushing and they're heavy, and then between the songs with the banter like, Right! We want you to start a fucking circle pit now, right? It's fucking, it you oh, so much circle more bed, book fast, you bastard! It's so fucking amped. Um, But yeah, like, um, I agree with you guys. I mean, <laughs> there's like fucking ten tracks in total, and every single one of them rips. Yeah, uh, exactly. I think, like, in terms of. Um, oh, well, sorry, Steve. Go on. No, no, you go ahead. Go ahead.
1: I think, in terms of, because there were two albums actually, which I felt like I overlooked too much and from last year, and it was this one, and it was The the Path by Fit for a King. I feel like this one out of the two yeah. was just like, bruh, fucking incredible.
0: Well, it's like, this is the annoying thing, right? Is that obviously going all the way, all the way back to our debut episode of this podcast, and, you know, me and Barnaby, we had brought. <laughs> We had each brought a highlight of 2020 to the podcast to talk about. And it's kind of, you realise more and more that 2020, as much as the shit year it was in general, uh, the fact that we still had such strong releases, I think all of our records that we've picked this week are from 2020, um, which is is telling something considering that, you know, (laughs) although you know it was a bad it was as bad as it was like the fact that music still remained to be such so strong and and still such a such a force and um fracture is is no different because i mean it, if you were a fan of the modern metalcore in regards to bleeding um sorry bury uh bury tomorrow and um you know all of these like uh, even kill switch engage I mean
1: yeah it 's got a, small, a few kill Switch games yeah I mean, vibes. <clears throat> oh,
0: this fucking record gives all of them a run for their money i mean you've got you gotta think of the fact that we had a we had a brand new Lamb of God record last year right now when you when you think of Lamb of God like they're a band that a herald is being like you know fucking masters of the the you know just metal that just, just just the fucking records that they release. This is better than the Lamb of God record last year, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, by far. This is, I'll have to agree. As much as I love Lamb of God, you know, I mean, you cannot deny uh, Lamb of God in the back catalogue that they have of incredible albums. That last Lamb of God record was so like, it was just you listen to it and it was just like, well, it sounds like Lamb of God. They're, They're not really doing anything different. They're not really doing anything cutting edge. It, it's basically just Lamb of God writing a bunch of songs that sound like Lamb of God. But exactly, yeah. this record, it just basically, <laughs> any metalcore, I mean, I know Buried Tomorrow had an album out um, last year too. Cannibal, I think it was called.
1: Yeah, that was another um, one I quite enjoyed.
0: But yeah, it was okay. But I mean, this album just stood out amongst all of them. Even a Lamb of God record, for fuck's sake. You know, this album just stood out so much and it, it, it really cemented the fact that that this band deserves so much more praise than I mean. I appreciate. I mean, they've got a great following as it is. I mean, you know. Oh, yeah. Really, they're really big in this country. But yeah,
1: I mean, if you look at the Spotify streams. The end of what we know kind of took off a little bit, like it's, yeah, yeah. Good figures.
0: It's got to be up there. I mean, this has got to be their most successful record yet. But I strongly believe that this really should be sort of held in the same regard as lamb of gods and you know as bury tomorrows like there's not one song on this record that i can fault pathfinder which is the second track on the record for me is just like it opens with this ridiculous riff and then towards the end of the song the band just basically decide to tune down every instrument's tuned down and they just play the same riff and it just sounds fucking crushing. It's ridiculous yeah. how crushing it is. And, uh, you know, there's hooks into nothing. has got such a massive hook uh, fracture, which you guys have said. It's just got sort of huge sort of fist pumping sing along to it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's fuck It's great. I think this really is just the perfect records for anybody that's kind of felt a bit. Anyone that's felt that metalcore has been a bit kind of ploddy over the years. Like you've not really been a fan of any of Killswitch's recent outputs. You you feel like the Buried Tomorrow have gone a bit too melodic or, you know, I mean, I get that Bring Me The Horizon, they're not really classed as a metalcore band now. But let's not forget the roots in which they came from came from this style of music. Uh, and although Bring Me The Horizon are clearly appealing to Radio One, all you need really is to put this record on and to remind yourself that no, fuck that we're a fucking metalcore band and we play heavy fucking riffs with catchy melodic choruses absolutely and if that's what you want this record delivers in spades yeah. you know it's, there's there's really nothing negative to be said about this album it's just a perfect perfect uh metalcore records from start to finish um i mean was, was there any other highlights you guys wanted to bring or any really of you pretty much agreed that it's just a fucking banger
2: of a record
1: Thing I agree, it's um, yeah, definitely yeah. one of the yeah. ones I should have not overlooked last year. Yeah, and I'm glad I'm on board with these guys now.
2: And I'm glad that we did this as an album setup because I hadn't listened to this album and I hadn't listened to the next album, the Ghost Main album. Mm-hmm. And it's things where I'm like, okay, they wouldn't have come up normally, so they wouldn't have probably come to my attention as soon. Yeah, I'm fucking glad that we've done this. One hundred percent. And
0: uh, as Christoph said, that brings us to the next album that we want to talk about which uh happens to be my pick which is which is by an artist called ghost Mane, um who is um it's a bit of a it's a very very it's very it's, it's a very different record uh in comparison to the albums we're going to be talking about this week now um ghost main for all intents and purposes is uh he's like one of these SoundCloud rappers. So he's one of these individuals that puts out these like raps on like, you know, as I say, streaming services. Uh, and he, he's very much been uh, an artist that's been known for, for quite a number of years. Now, Ghostman, although he's obviously very much ingrained in the um, the, the sort of trad hip hop style of music, he's also a fan of Deicide and Nine Inch Nails. And, you know, all these different genres of music, you name it, from death metal to uh, industrial music and the meld of hip hop. uh, I mean, for a long time, there's been rap rock, which, you know, immediately you say something like that and people's minds go to Limp Bizkit or Rage Against the Machine, Mm. that kind of thing. Whereas when it comes to uh, this whole Trapped thing, this is very much just like somebody who's hip hop based music. But it's not quite so when you listen to rage against the machine or um you know anything like that, you quite clearly tell that okay you know Zach della rocca he's rapping, but this is he he's got Tom morello who's bringing the riffs, and you know it's it's very much backed up by a very kind of rock based sound, but in terms of ghost main he's a rapper but as I said before, he's, he's a very much a fan of the industrial death metal side of music. So he's bringing all of those elements into his sound whilst keeping that kind of hip-hop rap-based style of music that he that he loves. And as I say, I mean, Ghost Bane's very much been uh, someone that's been around for a number of years. But what I found with Ghost Bane is that he has, with each release that he's put out, he started to introduce that kind of industrial death metal sound. Uh, what well, that element should I say into his sound? So as from, from what I understand, uh, his first release, as silly as it sounds, Ooga Booga was his he's first release, ooga, ooga, ooga Booga, ooga. which is 2015. Now you listen to that and it is straight up very much like a sample based hip hop record, but the samples that he's using in those songs He's using samples from, like, corn samples from Coal Chamber. Mm -hmm. So that immediately sets the tone that, you know, this is the fella that clearly is, although he's doing the style of music, he very much loves the whole alternative side of music, you know, the heavier end of of bands. He's had multiple releases since this, but for me personally, um, it, it was 2018's Noise that got me into this got me into ghost Main. so before we go any further barnaby was this your first introduction to ghost Main? or were you uh, familiar with him
1: with uh this physics? was my this was my first introduction yeah i think okay. going back to our first episode i remember you mentioned his name briefly yep. and that was the first time i'd ever like actually heard of ghost Mane at all i really wasn't aware of him up until that sure. point and this this has definitely been a bit of an interesting experience getting chucked headfirst into something which i Definitely wouldn't consider anything that's my style, but it's also something that I really haven't heard before, which is yeah strange.
0: Yeah, fair. And I mean, Christoph, I know you're probably uh, out of all of us. Actually, you're probably quite. You, you listen to hip hop quite often than, than me and Barnaby would. So, um, was this was this again like a first encounter, or was this uh, was this something was this because ghost, ghost main, sorry, should I say like someone that you're familiar with on the build up I- to it?
2: I had listened to a little bit through Horacle because yeah. as hip hop goes, you know, Horacle was like my gateway into it. Yeah. But I definitely realized that I had gotten confused between him and, do you know, Scarlord? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not as big a fan of Scarlord, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, they're like two of those artists who are kind of similar. Yeah. And vibes. And yeah, got kind of muddled between the two. Yeah. This is,
0: it's easy to do because, um, Scarlord again, a rapper that's kind of introducing the more kind of heavier end, those elements of death metal and new metal and industrial, bringing those those elements of music into a more hip-hop-esque landscape, if you like. Um, so, again, the, the album is a is, is, uh, 2020 release called Anti-Icon. So, for me, uh, as I said before, the album that initially... Drew, drew my attention to ghost main was his 2018 effort called noise and um although you listen to that record and the metal kind of elements they are there don't get me wrong um but they're nowhere near as prevalent as they are on this album as i said before i mean i'm in no way i mean i <laughs> when it comes to hip-hop-esque music i mean as far as my my uh tastes go i love the beastie boys <laughs> yeah, yeah. as i said i i like i like rage against the machine uh you know i that's kind of as far as uh my tastes go but in terms of ghost main there was something about the whole aesthetic the way he looked the way he sounded that just drew, drew me in for no one that knows anybody that doesn't know uh you know, ghost main. I would strongly suggest just putting the name in all one word, ghost main, and putting in Google Images just to see uh, what what I'm talking about. You know, you you Google Image ghost main, and you look at the way aesthetically how he looks. You immediately you, your brain goes to like a Marilyn Manson, uh, motion motionless
2: and white. He's like one of those types of artists. He looks like a traditional fucking leviathan, like those. Yeah, real style teeth that he has. Yep. It yeah. Just Terrifying. It, I know it's just oh good. It, it's it's fucking
0: great. And um, you know you, you immediately your your mind goes to a certain genre of music when you look at Main looks like. Um, but once you press play on any one of his records, that immediately goes out the window. That initial thought of why he's going to sound like this because he's not going to sound like how you think he sounds. um and uh yeah so although 2018's noise was my first introduction to him i kind of i listened to that record and i found myself going back through his 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 discography and as i went back through his discography i mean there as i said before there was a very there was a clear indicator of like well he's clearly made a conscious decision to bring more and more of these elements into each release that he's doing in terms of like the the metal uh style of 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 music so that gives us uh to 2020's anti icon which um i'll put it out there i fucking love this album it's it's incredible it's 13 tracks in total each individual track sounds completely completely different to all of the all of the tracks on this album i mean there's not one out one song on this album that i can hand on heart say does sound similar to the previous you know it's just like everyone's got its own unique identity to it um obviously it i mean what did you guys I'll, i'll i'll sort of i mean i've put obviously i've said that i mean I brought this to the podcast this week, so you know I'm I'm obviously very biased. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um I'll start with Christoph. I mean, what did you think going
2: into this? Dude, I fucking loved it. Like you like, said, so you have like the Marilyn Manson sort of vibe, both yeah. like aesthetically and especially instrumentally. Yeah. And very nine inch nailsy. And like, I think from a hip hop point of view, if you like people like twisted and fucking boondocks and prozac like anything horrorcore Mm -hmm. which is basically like the hip hoppy metal sort of murder rap really dark and dingy a little bit creepy like it's amazing you know if twisted and marilyn manson did an album together this is exactly what it would fucking sound like and like you've got tunes like hell rap Mm -hmm. which He's got like this old school Jonathan Davis vocal sort of thing going on, yeah, even though instrumentally it doesn't sound like a corn tune, but what he does with his voice throughout those sorts of tunes mm. is banging, and you can you can tell that he'd like new metal and all the dark dinginess, yeah, and then like I listen to sacrilege. And that was fucking wicked because that tune has like that, and a couple of others have like those creepy, like you know, the kids winding instrumental toys. Yeah, that you like a thing, yeah. But like a lot of artists, especially in hip hop, they'll use those sorts of notes, but they'll be like a reoccurring thing. So at the end of every bar, you know that this thing is accented or it's very. Whereas he like put them in, and they kind of catch you off guard. Yeah, you know, yeah. like just like. A third of the way through the song, there's just like a couple of notes from this creepy circusy sounding kid's yeah. toy thing. And like normally, especially with trap, you kind of, it's ingrained in the instrumental, kind of like a chord progression. It goes around yeah. or your 12 bar blues, you have like the little walk down. And so, you know, it's going to happen at this point. But with him, he's just like, I'm just going to put one of these here. And then, yeah. so you're kind of waiting for the next one and it doesn't come and it doesn't come. And then another one comes, but it's not the same creepy noise, and it's not yeah. at the same time signature as. So yeah, I like how he's just kind of taken something that's a given in trap music and hip hop music. Hang mm-hmm. on, well fuck that shit. I'm I'm gonna keep this because it's cool as fuck and it goes with my stack. Yeah, but I'm not gonna use it the way that you guys do.
0: You know. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's what sets him apart from all of his other peers. You know, like you said, like Scarlord. Uh, yeah. You know, he's just got like. He he's just got such a unique way of approaching this stuff whilst whilst keeping that trapped stuff, the way he incorporates uh industrial and, and you know I used to say that Marilyn Manson-esque swagger. Mm. It's fucking incredible. I and mean, what did you reckon, Barnaby? He does sorry,
2: one more time. Sorry, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. He does vocal tricks as well that make himself sound like two different people. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, he does. And I don't mean just like When you listen to Lamb of God say, to circle back around to that, when you listen to Randy Blythe shouting and and screaming, you can, the highs and lows are completely different ends. But you can kind of tell that it's the same person. Yeah. Whereas with Scarlord, he'll do like a verse and then he'll do another verse. And like, that sounds like a feature. Mm. Then at one point I thought it was two people. Yeah. I'm uh, not Lord, fucking hell. Ghost uh, Main, sorry. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, you think it's two different people. And then I looked up and was like, oh no, it's one guy. And these tracks aren't features. Like this is just one guy who can throw his voice in such a way. Yeah. Like it, he's got bad. such a
0: distinctive, like, I mean it was really jarring because he's got that very kind of um I mean, it's gonna sound shitty, but you know, when you listen to My Chemical Romance and Gerard Way has got that very kind of high, high vocal style approach, like very kind of emo-esque, sort of high upbeat vocals. He's got that about him. And I've never really been a fan of that kind of really high register of vocal. It's always been a bit jarring to me. Um, but and again, like when when I heard like noise back in 2018, that was one thing that kind of grated on me a little bit like the the way that he went to those high registers and i was like oh that's kind of it's really kind of you know nails down the chalkboard but the more and more i've listened to it the more and more i've kind of like appreciated like well actually it sounds fucking great against this this backwash of, of music and this this kind of like this landscape he's made for himself um but what did you reckon, Barnaby, when you when you listened to it? Because this is obviously again your your first introduction to him.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, while this stuff isn't my cup of tea per se, I, yeah. as I mentioned earlier, this is definitely something I've never heard before, and yeah. I can't imagine this ever being something that would take off. But what Ghostmane has done is just taken something and run and run with it, yeah. and I absolutely respect the fuck out of him for doing that and it just seems that the rapping and the beats and the instrumentals, they all gel together really well. Like, seriously, how fast that guy can rap in some of the tracks? Yeah. I can't remember. I think the standout track for me was uh, AI, and uh, Sacrilege yeah. was another one I really enjoyed as well.
2: Mm.
1: And it just felt like the rapping and the instrumentals and the beats, they all really gelled together. And as other it almost seems like it's chaotic, but it was also thought really well through by him.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, it sort of seems like, it's a lot of stuff that shouldn't work when combined, but when he does it, it does work.
1: I think that's exactly what I got where it's like, I shouldn't really be seeing this as something which is good, but it just, he's done it so well.
0: Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's mad. like when you consider that, uh, as you say, I mean, it, it's a lot of like sacrilege and, and, and AI there, uh, they're so different from each other too and um the fact that this is one guy that's doing all of this stuff differently unique and like that there's no there's no bands that I can really think of like i mean there's so many different elements that come together I mean as christoph said you know you've got elements of nine inch nails Marilyn Manson and yeah, yeah the nine
1: you, inch nails vibes were really clear oh uh, it's all
0: over the place and um and you've obviously got, I mean, the, the endless amount of of uh, rappers that Christos mentioned there. I mean, it's just like all of them come together. Well, when you think of all of those elements, they shouldn't work, but they just do work in spades with with, with this album. Um, it's I, again, I, I'm not a fan so um, necessarily of this this style of music, but when Ghostmane does it, it just it just immediately catches my attention.
1: Yeah. Uh, exactly you know
0: and, uh, i i adore this record i i think it's fucking incredible um yeah so uh, i mean that, that's anti icon by Ghostmane. uh i mean anybody that listens to this that tends to just really kind of go through more go towards the you know the metal metalcore death metal style of music i would suggest just giving it a go because i mean i was very much on that boat of somebody who didn't go to this style of music but i found i found myself just being so engrossed in it and i think he, he is really very he's very much sign kind of like one of those individuals that can bring a lot of crossover between genres you know he's going to attract metal heads as well as people that are into hip-hop you know and he, he can meld all those audiences together which is fucking brilliant like that's what we kind of need a lot more uh in terms of um music and in terms of artists you know kind of melding all of these different uh sort of genres of music and thus attracting a much wider audience and doing exactly. it
1: exactly you know? yeah completely. i mean there's a
0: reason why Korn got so big because they introduced all this hip-hop elements into their fucking new metal sound yeah and, you know, yeah look at them now they're massive so um exactly yeah, yeah. ghost Man, anti-icon uh, all right, so uh, moving on to the last record we're going to be talking about, uh, which I believe is Christoph's pick. Uh, this comes from a band called Unleash Unleash the Archers. Uh, who? Where are they from, Christoph? Is it Canada? Canada, Canada. Yeah. Canadian, Canadian. Oh,
1: we're, we're from we're from Canada. Eh? Mm-hmm. Canada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you wouldn't it. think
2: they'd have space wars in Canada? Would you? Crazy matriarchs and angry black metal vocals and space wars (laughs) in Canada. Fucking hell. The home of geese and syrup. Yeah. And Tim Hortons coffee.
0: uh, A certain amount of French people in Quebec. Is it Quebec? (laughs)
1: Yeah, Quebec.
0: Quebec, yeah. Um, Okay. uh, Yeah. So as we said before, this is uh, Unleash the Archers, which is Christophe's pick. Uh, So what made you pick Unleash the Archers, Christophe?
2: I mean, at first, if I'm honest, you guys said earlier that uh, we uh, all picked albums from 2020. Yeah. Well, guess which asshole was going to pick the last Alkaline Trio album that was 2019? <laughs> 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 so, but then I realized when I looked at you 2s so I was like, oh, dude, these are like last year. So... I should follow suit,
0: right? Yeah.
2: Um, I mean, I, that was just like a coincidence because I mean, it only occurred to me like
0: whilst we were talking just now that all of them were twenty twenty. I mean, even before we, I, I decided that I wanted to bring Ghost and like, fuck, I didn't even cl- it didn't click that it was all you know last year's I, releases.
2: I saw that everyone else's was uh, their current release, yeah. Um, so I was going to go with, is this thing cursed? Because Mm-hmm. Why not go for one of your favorite bands? Why not go for their latest album? Which actually wasn't that bad. And then I yeah. saw 2020 for Barney and 2020 <laughs> for you. And I was yeah. like, did I miss something here? So I reevaluated <laughs> and then, like I was it was a real struggle. You know when like you know when you go into a test environment, they're like, What's your name? And you're like next question please <laughs> like, i couldn't like i was like shit what do i pick for 2020 like there were so many good albums but at the same time when you're put on the spot to choose a thing you kind yeah. of mind goes blank and i was like don't pick and like i said to you guys i'm trying not to pick unleash the archers because it was the first thing came to my mind it was my favorite album of last year mm-hmm yeah. And then, uh, in the end, I was like, actually, do you know what? There's no reason why I shouldn't make you, Stephen, listen to Unleash the Archers.
0: No, well, I'm, I'm glad you did in many ways, mate. Because, uh, I mean, I this was very much, this is my first kind of introduction to Unleash the Archers. And um, you mentioned that their last record, as well as this one, they were kind of, they were both concept records that mm, were... That, uh, yeah that told a story between um like one was a continuation of the other so going into this i did want to kind of approach it as like somebody that well i want to know the full story i you know i want to i want to dig deep on the the whole uh, concept and uh yeah so i mean i i started off by listening to apex which was their 2017 release uh and I was blown away because I'm normally not into the... I mean, we've probably established on the show this, at this point that I'm really not a power metal guy. I don't like power metal. You know, power metal's not my bag. Um, there's a reason why I watched Power Rangers up to I was about eight. You know, <laughs> because, uh... <laughs> um, but I was, I was really surprised because although Unleash the Archers, vocally at least, they've got a very kind of power metal-esque singer you know she's great she's got a very very good vocal range she's fucking awesome you know she does the high notes she's uh she's got that very very uh familiar thing that you find with power metal you know but the music behind it was really what kept my attention because it draws from so many different genres i mean you've got groove metal here you've got well, i've got bits of power metal musically but as I say, there's groove metal, there's black metal, there's just so many different areas that this album spans towards, um, which immediately sort of thought, well, there's a re- there's a, you know, obviously there's a reason why he has brought this to the show. And, uh, you know, as soon as I listened to um, the first few tracks on Apex, I was like, oh, OK, well, clearly we're, we're talking about a band here that isn't just, you know, a power metal band you know this is a band that have a lot more going for them. um what's your relationship with unleash the archers barnaby
1: i'm very much in the same boat as Christoph. i'd say where i really am quite i have quite a weak spot for this band
0: right okay yeah uh i mean what what was your uh, presumably i mean you had listened to uh their previous efforts before
1: it's yeah, I think I've about. gone all the way back to, I think the first song I heard from them was uh, Tonight We Ride, off of time Standstill. And it yeah. was that like insane power metal energy, but also bringing something different to the table that made me fall in love with them instantly. Yeah. And then when Apex came out, I was like, oh, okay, new release. I'm definitely going to have to pay attention to this. And I think the first track I heard off of that was Cleanse the Bloodlines. And right, then that okay. just cemented what I'd felt about the band previously even more. I was like, okay, these are definitely guys I'm going to be paying attention to in the future. Yeah, yeah.
0: Decent. I mean, um, as you say, I mean, uh, like... W- I mean, I haven't listened to uh, Time Stand still, but um, going into Apex, I was immediately invested in the follow-up to it because I was, you know, I'm going into tracks like... Um, the the matriarch uh it's just like when you compare that song amongst the rest of the songs on the record and it really kind of shows you the uh the way that this band can draw from so many different areas of uh music from as i say black metal to metal to uh, just groove metal in places you know it's just it's all over the place um one thing that really really stood out for me um <laughs> i mean it's a it's funny this because considering that we mentioned him in the news last week massive alexi Le- alexi vibes from his guitar work it's just like uh, children of bodem all over this just that kind of all over the fretboard shredding throughout all of it i just got um, i got such a huge children of bodem vibe uh from this band um yes yeah, so, i mean going from apex to their 2020 effort abyss which is the album Christoph's pick picked um i thoroughly enjoyed it i mean uh again it's there's enough on there's enough to this band um that keeps my interest because had this have been this style of vocal against a backdrop of just standard power metal music then i you know I, I would have checked out I, this wouldn't have been a wouldn't have been something that i would have uh bothered with but going into these different styles and it's just immediately there's no you can't really assume what this band are going to do because they, they, they all of a sudden they'll be doing like uh a power metal esque style of song and then it will just like be a sharp left turn into like some kind of groovy fucking metal part or like a black mm. metal blast beat yeah. part. You know, face melting fucking riffs all over the place. Uh, you, you really can't second guess this band um, in terms of one song to the next. You said that this was, they, they were obviously linked to these records in terms of the concept. So this is all sci fi esque, like space based. I'm, I'm getting the vibe from. I mean, do you know the whole backstory of it, Christoph?
2: No, not massively, like right. it's all a big space war. Obviously, the matriarch being the antagonist of the entire thing. Yeah. And, and to assume from listening to it, unleash being the good guys or the resistance force or telling the story from the resistance force because the matriarch comes up again in um in the abyss a couple right, of I times. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is cool. And I think I know a lot of bands recently, as we've all kind of discussed, are doing these like comic books Mm -hmm. as a separate band, which is fine. But when you listen to Apex and then you listen to The Abyss and then you come away from it, like you can almost visualize a comic book. But yeah, me, would it be incredible to have the album told in comic book form? Yeah, like
0: it really paints a picture. um,
2: I think as well why I said to you to listen to the first, the last album, mm-hmm. um, as well as this one, is that the last album's like the all-out war.
0: Yeah.
2: It's when everything builds. And then this album's kind of more relief, you know. There's not as much yes. of the blackmail, which at first I was a little bit sad because the first song I ever heard of those was The Matriarch. So you're listening to like this power metal song that has this real sense of urgency to it. Like yeah. there's a slight desperation in like lyrically and the way it's portrayed. You feel like shit's gone tits up and then it gets to these black metal girls, you know, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. And when you listen to just that one song as like, as a standalone for the first time, you're like, I don't think I quite understand what's happening here. Yeah. But it's rad. And then you listen to the album. You're like, okay, now I understand how you got to there. And then listen to the new album where there's more relief. Mm-hmm. And at first I was kind of like, well, there's not, you know, there's not enough harshness. There's not enough of this. Mm-hmm. But actually, as a story goes, well, you fought the war. So that's why there's not as much. But it's accented perfectly in the new album. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're just fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah and i love I, I love always loved bands who aren't afraid to make massively long songs like yeah exactly on there that are three or four minutes but like the wind that shapes the land is nearly nine minutes long
0: yeah eight minutes 36 seconds
2: yeah dude um, it's banging you know
0: yeah i mean uh, anything you wanted to add to that barnaby
1: I think pretty much what Christoph uh, has said has summed it up for me. I absolutely loved this record, and one thing I did want to add: it was nice to see the band taking a little bit more of a um, progressive approach in terms of music. Like I know for this record, they switched to seven-string guitars. Okay. And it just seemed like it was a nice progression of going, "Oh, let's change it up. Let's just you know play in B minor and use the seven and play on seven-string guitars." I felt like it was a really nice change.
0: Sure.
1: Or should I? No, wouldn't say change, but um, progression. Let's say.
0: Yeah. Um. I mean, it—it's it, it, astonishing, like the musicianship as well, because like the fuck you. I mean, the guitar work on this is insane. It's ridiculous how much this shreds. For my tastes, I'll be honest. I did prefer Apex uh, compared to Abyss. I mean, it makes perfect sense with what Christoph said in regards to Apex being like the very much the the sort of the war aspect of the story. And then abyss being kind of like the fallout of it, um, that kind of explains why apex has got a lot more of like a harder edge to it, whereas abyss has got m- much more kind of somber melodic style to the the songs and, and and the choruses. I mean, that's not to say that the album hasn't got face rippers on it because it, it has, um, but I think apex is if if you're looking for the harder edge to this band and like in terms of what they're capable of um from a a metal perspective apex probably definitely it definitely would be the album to go to Mm. uh but abyss definitely a more melancholic record i feel you know it's, it's it's got a lot more melody and a lot more kind
2: of uh soul And the production uh... of it's insanely... Yeah, yeah. And, like, you listen to any of their other albums compared to this. And the production, it's so clean and crisp and everything is so goddamn precise.
0: I mean, it's a cliche to say that, you know, it jumps Mm -hmm. out at you, but...
2: It but
0: fucking does.
2: Yeah. What I, also, what I also love is I obviously last week with Love and Death, we were saying about that Bieber song that shouldn't have been on the album or should have been a bonus. Well, Unleash the Archers, they did Explorers. So right. Explorers, which they te when they teased the album in twenty nineteen, had the song Explorers, and you also had um, the single Northwest Passage which is a Canadian version of like your standard Irish ditty, you know, like your Irish oh, okay. folk loads, yeah. loads of other bands, Irish or Canadian or other have covered it. Yeah. But each bought that real power metal, like it fucking pounds. Yeah. They teased, they teased this upcoming album with these two singles, which are both bad as fuck. Yeah. Neither one of them sat with the theme of the album, but also actually the two singles they released on the lead up to the album, Weren't on the album, and I love that because I like, normally you hear these singles, you're like, oh, I can't wait for this band's new album. Great, and then actually two, three tracks out of nine to thirteen, you've already heard. Unleash yeah. like, here's these two bangers, and you're like, okay, cool, I can't wait to hear them on an album. And then you get the album, you're like, they're not on here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> same as Slipknot, like we're not your kind. Yeah, even that, like it's you got the song. And then you've got the album title, but the song doesn't appear on the album. Like they oh, have um,
0: all, from... all out life. Yeah. Life. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, exactly. I love that. I love the fact that a band can just like put out a fucking rager and then have the bollocks to say, okay, well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's that, but we, you know, that's no, by no stretch of the imagination. Is that going to go on our record? Cause we got better shit to come, you know, it's, uh, yeah, yeah it's fucking cool
2: um so nice because you're like you already know that that's there yeah You expect it to be there. Like, okay cool you've released this thing and they're like yeah that's just a taste of what's to come here's the, here's the rest of it like, okay fuck didn't see that coming cool yeah, yeah. it's like <laughs> uh um gojira did a similar thing with releasing
0: another world um <laughs> earlier on in the year but well, last year um you know, which has kind of given you a teaser as to what's to come. Um, I mean, we didn't mention earlier on in the podcast that obviously Gojira have brought out a, a new song, which is fucking insane, but we'll probably go into that in a bit more detail next week. But um, I mean, yeah, I, I do love it when a band can just all of a sudden pull a song out that is just mind fucking blowing. And then they're like, well, oh, that's just a teaser, you know, wait till you see what's, what's to come. Yeah. So I'm, um, i'm 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 liking unleash the arches i'll be honest i mean i i really i really didn't think that I would be as into this as i as I would be but hmm. I was really taken back by just the the sheer amount of uh musicianship and the the sheer volume of influence that this band are drawing from from black metal to fucking groove metal to uh, bits of power metal that I don't mind. Um <laughs> and yeah that they're, they're they're a fucking cracking band. I mean do this band have much of a following Christoph or are they quite a fairly minimalistic band
2: or they don't have a massive fan base at this point or are they uh I think they kind of have a mid-range because they were supposed to play this year at Bloodstock. Yeah they were headlining the Sophie stage I want to yeah. say so also Not to jump back into the standard Brexit shit, but like they announced a 2020 tour slash 2021 tour of Europe. Mm -hmm. Obviously, because of our whole taxing and like extra charges for bands coming here, they're not coming to England. So it's kind of hard to figure out where how big their fan base is because they're obviously not headlining a festival sort of size or anywhere near like near that, but. They also can't... They're not big enough to go, well, we can make our money. So, yeah, I think it's they're at a point where doing something like their own headline in tour is a bit of a dive, especially with how our situations are, Mm. which is a shame because I fucking love them and I swear I'll be so disappointed if 2021 comes around and they're not on Bloodstock's lineup anymore because I love a man. And I don't know whether, like you... I'm not a fan of power metal. Mm-hmm. I find power metal is either inspirational bullshit, which is yeah, nice, but I can't listen to a whole album of it or um, a Sabaton, which I always kind of associate with like five finger death punch with cannons and tanks. And I've got more less. Like, and yeah. Like, it's
1: I'll agree more- to that even though I am a Sabaton it,
2: fan. And then I heard Unleash the Archers. So I was like, it's power metal, but I'll give it. And then, yeah, they just kind of catch you off guard and they keep catching you off guard. So, yeah, maybe, maybe the fact that they've made love out of something i hate i don't hate i dislike
0: mm. yeah, 100%. Not,
2: I so much yeah uh
0: I, I couldn't agree more i mean a band that like you say take quite a bit of influence from a genre of music that isn't the best for me for you know for our tastes i think that they've kind of get i mean you could argue that i mean they've given the genre of music the boot up the ass that it needed to sort of be good uh i mean yeah it's uh it's fucking great i don't i really can't there's no there's not really much i can fault about it i mean um the fact that they have got songs that go towards like the sort of eight to nine minute mark says a lot about this band not having any kind of restraints on their creativity you know then they're not gonna restrict themselves to like a, a three to four minute song they're gonna do what the fuck they want regardless of how long a song goes on for um yeah it's fucking good i uh no qualms with it i think it's a good good band uh that have a good set of albums behind them so that is Unleash the Archers. Is there anything else we need to add to Unleash the Archers before we move on, or is that is that all?
1: I think that's good. I think I've said everything yeah. I wanted to say.
0: All right, cool. Uh, well, in that case, uh, I think that actually brings us to the end of Episode 7. So uh, we appreciate you guys listening, as always, and uh, don't forget to like and subscribe on all of our socials. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with the normal format of the show. Uh, So, again, thank you very much for listening and uh, ta-ta for now. Goodbye for now. Ciao! Bye! Peace!